On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Andrew Collier. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory, as we have the honor to speak with Andrew Collier, currently keyboardist of 3.2, featuring Robert Berry. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, palavering here tonight. This is uh, this is very exciting. Um, as we sort of mentioned in the intro, we are joined tonight by Andrew Collier. This is sort of keeping in line with our recent Robert Berry 3.2 prog stock theme that we have going on here. So Andrew has a long list of, of accomplishments that I'm very, very keen to sort of get into and, and, and talk about. But most recently, he has been touring with Robert Berry in, in 3.2. Um, on his, his list of accomplishments, although are also included such luminaries as Tony Levin, The Tubes, which is near and dear to my heart, uh, John Anderson, Sound of Contact, um, Tenth Planet, Cell 15, and Circuline. Is that, uh, is that how I pronounce that, Andrew? That's correct. Circuline, which is listed on your website, I might add, as a prog rock orchestra. So I definitely want to get into that a little bit. Um, but you're also credited with with some some jazz and big band experience, as well as doing some some film and, and video composition. So, man, you kind of you're all over the place. Very very cool, and very glad to have you on the palaver. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on your show tonight. Oh, this is great. This is great. So having seen you. Um, twice with 3.2 in Kennett Square, PA, and at Prague Stock. Um, th- 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 this is a, a great uh, opportunity for me to ask what it's like to cover so many different artists because your your role when you're with Robert is, I, I believe you're you're covering Keith Emerson straight up. You're covering, I believe, Jordan Rudis in his role as a session musician for some of Robert's uh, interpretations of uh, prog rock classics. And y- you you occasionally get to do your own imp- improvisation and, 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 and expression. Uh, so so, so you're, you're covering a wide piece of the, the, the prog rock genre and, 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 and covering sacred ground where, where some people fear to tread so so i'm very interested <laughs> after 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 experiencing the live shows to see you know how that feels in, in, in retrospect um uh, so uh, <laughs> i don't want to hit, hit with all the deep questions right off the bat but why not you know what is that like the, you know what well let me start off by saying touring live with 3.2 featuring robert barry is a ton of work <laughs> and a ton of fun. Uh, it took me months to prepare because, like you said, there's all the Keith Emerson stuff that we covered. You know, the Jordan Rudess version, 
of Carnival Nine, you know, which is like Jordan Rudess covering Keith Emerson. So I had to cover that. Um, Robert's versions of <clears throat> Genesis Watcher of the Skies. There's some Tony Banks stuff in there, plus some extra licks that were thrown in by Robert's other keyboard players in the past, plus his reinterpretations when we do the Yes Roundabout. So there's some Wakeman lines in there. Um, you know, when we cover um, Jethro Tull's Minstrel in the Gallery, there's some, yeah. you know, those lines in there. Um, it was it was incredibly daunting. And I have to say, uh, I was pretty nervous uh, during the for the first few shows just because I know that everybody in the world who's a Keith Emerson fan is watching and listening and really paying attention because they've lived with this music for so long. And, you know, uh, to quote my friend Tom Brislin, the prog giveth and the prog taketh away in that, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys appreciate that because there's going to be the people who say, wow, that was really good. And there's going to be some people who go, wow, you know, he didn't play it like Keith did. He's not as good as Keith. Oh, you know, too bad. You know, he, I wish Keith had been doing it. So, you know, there's always going to be, you know, those people are out there. And I already knew they were going to be out there. There'd be people who are just, you know, hating you because you're not the person that they love, that, that they wish were on the stage. So um, I also felt like, you know, I was incredibly humbled that Robert asked me to do the job. And I know that if Keith Emerson were alive, God rest his soul, he would be up there doing it. And I, and I would not have that job. So I felt like I was you know, doing my best to fill in because Keith was not available. Um, so it was, you know, they got, uh, it got easier every night just because one more night that you have another show under your belt, um, you know, your confidence level builds. Um, and I believe that I was as prepared as I could be going into rehearsals, you know, for, for me, um, any kind of nervousness, um, or, or st and I, don't, I really have never had stage fright or any kind of nervousness or anxiety for me it comes from just a lack of preparation. So as long as one is prepared to go on stage, you know, then you just focus on playing, you know, focus on playing, focus on locking with other players, focus on the music. Because um, by the time you get to the stage, you know, you need to know all the notes and you need to know all the patch changes, which for me, that was months of programming. Because I don't know if you guys saw like all the patch changes. It was a ton of, it was a, you know, like a hundred different keyboards all programmed into a couple of things with the patch changes and uh, um, my little teeny weeny Moog synthesizer and the uh, Roly and um, absolutely. I feel like I'm kind of yeah. rambling all of it now, but, it, but no, it's your question. But um, are you on? Because I, I did see uh, on YouTube at one point you were on main stage. Did did you stick with that for the tour? All the sounds that you hear on that tour are all coming out of the main stage. The mm -hmm. my core Kronos, which is the top keyboard, I have as a backup in case my computer rig goes down. Mm. So Kronos is an amazing keyboard, but for that, it was just easier to do all the programming in in one place. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, <coughs> yeah, I love the fact that you, you that you 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 did put the Moog into perspective you know you, you know you know that kind of talk is gonna fly at Prague stock but I, I hope they appreciated it in, in all the cities that you hit along the way um, and and, 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 and the sound you got out of the thing was badass <laughs> well thanks that's what everybody said. you know what I had so many people say that was one of their favorite moments of the show I said okay. right yeah the, I mean I mean cool because you were covering uh, December people at that point right um, 
We is, is that where? Well, no, we could you, actually for the December people, I was using a um, a software synthesizer, but I was reproducing those Rush um, Moog Taurus bass pedals. But the intro to Desde La Vida was, um, you know, Keith Emerson used to tour with this gigantic Moog modular. He was the first person in the world to have that giant synthesizer on stage in a rock context. So I um, took the smallest Moog synthesizer in the world on stage for that tour uh, and ran it through a little Moog delay pedal. Um, yeah, it sounded, it sounded awesome. Yeah, yeah, it sounded very, yeah. That that's absolutely awesome. That is <laughs> God. I love this story already. This is just fantastic. So we um, we had the opportunity to speak with Robert before the three point two tour kicked off, and so he was he was very close to the vest with details. He uh, he hinted about the set list, but he wouldn't divulge anything about the set list. And he had lots of of great things to say about the band, obviously. But um, now that now that you know the the tour has happened and and we've seen the set list, it you've already you sort of uh, alluded to this. It covers a wide variety. Now, was was there any sort of communal input into that, or or when you guys sort of got to the table, Robert said, "Hey guys, here's what we're doing." How did that work out? Well, I'm I was fortunate in that Robert called me. From uh, from the beginning, to help make some of those decisions, he knew that Paul uh, was going to be the guitar player because Paul's been his guitar player for you know thirty or forty years, whatever long forty years or something like that. But um, Robert and I were on the phone several times a week, if not every day, for months, and um, partly because I think with with my band Circuline and all the other bands I've been involved in, we kept trying to brainstorm what's going to be the best. Um, best show. We really wanted to have a show for the Prague fans and not just go up and play song after song after song. Um, you know, the storytelling was a really important aspect. And, you know, for, for, for those of you, if you're listening here on the podcast and you're fans of Joe and Ken, and for some reason you didn't get to see us at, at the, on this recent 29 uh, date North American tour, Robert Berry uh, <clears throat> toured with Keith Emerson and Carl Palmer back in 1987-88. They had a top 10 Billboard hit. The band was called Three. Uh, essentially, you know, Robert took Greg's Lake's, Greg Lake's place in Emerson, Lake and Palmer. And it was after the Emerson, Lake and Powell album. And it became Three with Keith and Carl. So they had a top, with that top 10 Billboard hit. And they, they had a successful North American tour. So Robert wanted to do, we had to do some Three material from that era. We had to do some 3.2 material from the new album that Keith, that Robert did with Keith Emerson uh, that they were working on. They had about half the album finished in 2016 when Keith tragically passed away. And that when that album came out last year in August, it went to number one in five countries and sold out on Amazon on the first day and placed on two Billboard charts. So we had to do material from that album. Plus, Robert had done a whole series of Magna Carta albums this magna carta progressive rock tribute series that came out in the 90s and the early 2000s uh plus he wanted to do some stuff from his solo catalog uh, um plus we wanted to throw a december people song in there because he's been doing december people for almost 10 years so we had you know we had a ton of material to choose from and we just kind of kept batting it around and we would put things in different orders and set lists and um you know just eventually it probably took us maybe six months to come up with the final thing because we actually started this project 
in March of last year, and we had a manager who uh, didn't work out, and he wasted our whole year last year because we knew the record was coming in August, and the plan was to tour last fall. Um, and then when things didn't <clears throat> when things didn't go well with that guy, then we had to go find another manager. So by the time we by the time we found the other manager and then got things booked, it was this fall before we can actually get out on the road with a, with a really good tour and routing and, and whatnot. So, um, so, uh, it was a lot of planning, a lot of rehearsing and it, it wound up, you know, being what it was. And, uh, hopefully we'll be out again next, next year. You know, I should, um, give a shout to, to, to Robert's keyboard chops. One of those other keyboardists that you covered was Robert himself. So mm-hmm. not only, not only a bass player, but very accomplished on the keys. Oh, Robert's is just a, he's one of those guys that you love him and hate him at the same time because he can play everything. <laughs> he plays bass, he plays guitar, he plays killer keyboards, he plays drums, he sings like a bird, he, you know, records, mixes, produces. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but People yeah, he's like really that, man, good. I'm telling you. <laughs> he started as a keyboard player. His original band, Hush, back in the 70s, he was the keyboard player and they were covering. Yes, and Genesis, and you know all the all the proggy stuff, and then he switched to guitar, and then he switched to bass because he really wanted to be out front and be the front man. It's hard to do if you're behind a pile of keyboards, especially in the seventies. Yeah. So, Andrew, before we go too far into this, because again, there, there's lots of places to go here, but you know, given sort of the breadth of of your experience, you know how. What's your relationship with with progressive rock, and and how did you get into that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I love telling this story. So, <clears throat> I am Generation X, uh, you know, which is right after the baby boomer generation. So, our generation starts like sixty four, sixty five, and goes into the seventies or eighties. Um, so, I grew up listening to Casey Kasem's Top Forty. Okay, I was yeah. a Top Forty guy. Uh, my first all-time favorite band was ELO, uh, and nice. I really loved that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was rock. It was pop. It had a big orchestra. It had a huge choir. It had catchy stuff. Um, and America was a big – you remember that band, America? Yep. They were a really big favorite of mine. Um, and I was kind of an ELO, Journey, Sticks, Kansas kind of guy, REO Speedwagon, all that you know, kind of top 40 mainstream stuff in the 70s and 80s guy. Um, and I also always really loved movie soundtracks because I was a Star Wars, Star Trek geek. So I really liked all movie soundtracks. And I also really loved jazz. But because I came to music in the late 70s and 80s, you know, those classic prog, progressive rock years to, to me are like, say, 1968 to 1978. So none of that was on the radio when I was growing up. And... <clears throat> I always tried to figure out how to put all those things, th- different things together, but I could never figure it out. And in 2004, <clears throat> which is only 15 years ago, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somewhere between age 40 and you know 75. So <laughs> you know, 50, just 15 years ago, in 2004, I met a guy, a guitar player, and uh, his name is Dan Aggers, and we started talking about music, and he goes, "Dude," he goes you play rock and you're classically trained and, and you love all this stuff. He goes, well, you should be into Prague. <laughs> and mind you, I had been a DJ for four years too. 
Okay. And I said, Prague, what is that? I've never heard of that word. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, you know, like progressive rock. And I'm just looking at him like deer in the headlights. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, you know, like, yes. And I go, oh, owner of a lonely heart. And, and, he goes, <laughs> and he goes, no, no. He goes, you know, like Genesis. And I go, oh, invisible touch. And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, and he's like, you know, like Peter Gabriel. I go, oh, that's so album. That was awesome. He goes, no, Peter Gabriel, Genesis. I'm like, Peter Gabriel's never in Genesis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, so. You've given this guy a heart attack at this point. Oh yeah, he he's just he's yeah he's just so upset. So he said, "All right, I'm going to come back and give you something." So he so he comes back the next week and he hands me the Yes Symphonic Live DVD. And I went home and I put it on and I literally just freaked out. <laughs> I just started literally running around the house going, ah, "This is how it's supposed to be," you know. No. <laughs> You know, it's a rock. It's a rock band, and they've got harmonies, and they've got a symphony orchestra, and they've got harmonic complexity and rhythmic complexity, and it's majestic, and everybody's going crazy. And I, it, it I, I literally couldn't watch more than twenty minutes of that DVD. It took me a week to watch that three-hour show because I, every after twenty minutes, I my head was going to explode. That's awesome. You know? And every song's 20 minutes anyway. You know, the open right. close to the edge. And <laughs> Gates of Delirium and, you know, all this. So, um, so he and I started writing together. And that really kind of put me on the progressive rock path. And it took me another seven years with the stuff I had going on in my life to really be able to commit to returning to music to have a career, which started in 2011. Um, so I've pretty much inhaled a tremendous amount of music in the last say eight years um so that's kind of that's a i could keep going but that's kind of the, the shortest yeah story that that's a perfect spot to give credit to uh, sonic perspectives and ron matthews um yeah you provide some good context in your interview with ron and uh you you you, you mentioned the process you went through not only did you commit to being a keyboard player you said if I'm doing this, I have to sing and I have to sing it at a better level than ever before. It sounds like you uh, invested some time in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. As much as I love playing, I, when I'm performing, if I don't get to sing, I don't feel complete. It's the strangest thing. And what I'm, and what I'm really grateful for is, you know, with Robert, I got to sing, you know, backup harmonies on every song. And in, in Circuline, you know, I get to sing lead. I'm kind of like, um, you know, George Harrison, the Beatles, they let me sing, you know, one or two songs for record lead. But, um, you know, with with Billy Spillane and Natalie Brown are two front lead singers. And, you know, they're they're the real front lead singers. And then I get to sing. So that's three part harmony. And now with Matt Dorsey back on bass, he'll sing four. So we'll have four part harmony. And um, that's just a lot of fun to do. And uh, it provides a sound that is not common um, you know, if, if the Eagles or Crosby, Stills and Nash or America are, you know, pl doing a prog band, um, it just gives, a, it gives us some really cool, some cool sonic options. Oh, a quick shout out to, um, did you guys play with Joel Simkiss for a while, uh, of Total Mass Retain? Yeah, Joel was, uh, Joel was with us in, for two years. Let's see. Joel did sound for us. Uh, in 2016, 
And then he started playing bass with us in the fall. Yeah, Joel was doing. Joel did sound for us in the spring of 2016 and the summer of 2016. And then he started playing bass with us in the fall of 2016. And he was with us until the spring of two beginning of 2000. So see, 17, 19, was it this year or last year? Man, you know what? It's such a blur. I think it was last year. <laughs> it was last year. No, because <laughs> it was it was last year. So yeah, 2018. Spring of 2016 to spring of 2018, Joel worked with us. Joel's a good guy. He is a great musician and he did a he did a fine job for us. And you will see him uh, and get to hear him performing with us when we come out with our 2017 prog stock performance which will be a live cd dvd blu-ray that's in production now and it'll be out next year and there's a bunch of really joel joel's uh well represented he's got some cool shots on that on that that's yeah so yeah <laughs> he's a friend of the Palaver. he's been on the show before yeah so he's a funny dude yeah and and ken has spent uh, ken's almost embedded himself in in tmr at this point um, oh, cool! Spending spending quite a, a bit of time with them, and and we've had the uh, the opportunity to speak with various members of of that group quite a bit. Um, I'm excited, and and actually, all of this sort of ties together. And, and it's it's funny since we started this podcast, some of the the experiences we've had and the opportunities that have presented themselves are, are things that maybe we wouldn't have done before. And so all of this kind of comes together as a lot of these stories have this year with the with the Yes Fan Fest in Philly um, as part of the Yes Fifty tour that that we had saw as as a as a group. Um, the, the three of us there. And so that was where we first came across Total Mass Retained. And that was perhaps, I think, my and perhaps the rest of the group's first um, introduction to one Mr. Tom Brislin as well. And mm -hmm. absolutely. So so you had mentioned you had mentioned Tom sort of in your your prog origin story um, as well as the fact that you had mentioned early on you were into Kansas, where of course that's Tom's current gig. So right. you know what? T maybe tell us a little bit about your your relationship with with Tom and 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 how that manifests itself. Oh, um, I don't remember where I first met Tom. It would have been sometime. Let's see. Well, the first cruise, first cruise edge was two thousand thirteen. Down in Gray, Progressive Art Tribute Band was 13, 14, 15. You know what? I met Tom sometime between 2014, 15, 16, and I'm sure it was um, probably maybe at a New Jersey Prague House gig. I know that he did some solo stuff there. I know he played with Randy McStein uh, with one of Randy's incarnations of Lo-Fi Resistance. Um, Tom's a Jersey guy, so I kept seeing him around. We would run into each other at shows. I know um, there was a there was a piano keyboard camp thing in New York City. We hung out with him there. Um, uh, you know what? It's just one of those things that when you, you guys know when you start going to these events, either <laughs> as a fan or once you start playing out in bands. Um, uh, you just start to get to know people. And uh, I went to Tom sometime 
I went to a studio one time because I needed help with some sampling um, with main stage and some keyboards and chord triton and whatnot. Um, and you know what? Our, our friendship has just kind of developed over the years. We saw him with Kansas his last summer uh, for Natalie's birthday. They were playing at uh, one of those big casinos over in Connecticut. So we went over and he got us backstage passes and we got to hang out after the show. Um, he's just a super cool guy. I teched for him, uh, you know, because we it's, it started kind of casually and then fellow musicians and then, you know, uh, just kind of developed over time. I hang out, I hang out with him every year at NAM now when I go out to the, the, it's the world's largest trade show out in California in January. We always hang out while we're there. Um, and then last fall at Prague stock two, which would have been Prague stock 2018. He, before he knew about the Kansas gig, he was putting together another band of his own that was called gold rotation that he wanted to rotate plenty of all-stars through and he could just have different people. He wouldn't have to be committed to different band members. Um, and I helped tech for him at that show. We, I helped with all of his cameras, all the GoPro cameras and video cameras and audio and, you know, stuff. Um, so yeah, Tom's an awesome dude. Uh, I'm really happy for him that he's got that new Kansas gig. It's, it's, you know, it's perfect for him. You know, he toured with Yes and whatever did their symphonic. He was on that. He was on that symphonic right, yeah. life. Exactly what I was thinking when you were talking yeah. about that and having your brain <laughs> melting. I'm like, oh, that's his buddy Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, it's pretty. You know, it's one of the things. It's pretty trippy to be the, like the guy who kind of got you into Prague. You've been watching him on DVD, and then you're like hanging out with him and going to a studio. We're hanging out with him, having drinks, or you know, then we're hanging out for the show, and um, it's just been a. It's just fun. And it's nice, and I, I'm I appreciate it. And I'm I'm grateful for that relationship. I'm actually I'm grateful for all the relationships that have developed over the last ten, eight, ten, fifteen years. You know, the, generally speaking, this is a, a nice community of people. The progressive rock scene. I'm not talking about the trolls who are sitting at home in their mother's basement making snarky comments on, on <laughs> you know, progressive years. But I'm talking about for the most part, the people who go to the gigs and come out to the shows, everything. And people are. <laughs> You know, for the most part, really nice people. <laughs> yeah, I think there's 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 such a breadth of music, and it's interesting. You know, and and I think Ken's experience in Prague Stock this year really illustrates that. You know, that you can come at progressive music from so many different angles, and it it, it creates, uh, I think, a really nice sort of amalgam, if you will. So that's one of the things that that I like about it. I mean, we spend a lot of time as we go through some of our sections here on on this podcast you know talking about how when we first came across this as you know 14 15 16 year olds whatever we we didn't necessarily get it and it it you know it takes some time to get into some of these things but but once you once you spend that energy and you kind of figure it out it there's there's a lot there for you so that's that's very cool and you know i i i've been you know i i've got a personal connection to Kansas, my oldest brother, you know, his favorite band is and, and was Kansas. So they were one of the first bands that I saw as a as a teenager, and you know I've been paying attention to them for a very very long time. And then when we we came across Tom, obviously at the at the Yes Fan Fest, I was. I, I honestly, I, I wasn't familiar with him at that point, but he won me over in the, in the course of the set that he did. He he really was very very engaging. And then when I he got the Kansas gig, I'm like, oh, this is just perfect. So um, we um, and plus, I guess I should say, my middle brother, 
is friends with John Elefante, who was Kansas's second singer. Oh, so it's, right. it's 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 a family affair, you know. Have you seen them like recently with their like with 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 the new lead vocalist and and Tom on keyboards and vocals, and they've got the new younger guy additionally over there on guitar. I, I have not gotten a chance to see this new lineup. No, I, I they they have not sounded that good in the last ten years. They sound amazing. Mm. They are absolutely phenomenal. They sound so great, like five part harmonies, and they're nailing all the parts, and everybody's you know re-energized yeah you know and uh they're, they're working on a new record and tom uh is an integral part of the writing you know they really wanted him for kansas not only because he he plays like a monster and he sings like a bird but he's also a really great songwriter All right and yeah really wanted him to be a part of that process i think he's contributing i don't know five songs maybe for this new record it's, it's gonna be cool. great i'm really excited. I can't wait to uh, can't wait to hear that. Yeah, and yeah. and you know I think you talk about you know the trolls and everything else. You know I think I think yes almost has a blueprint for this sort of rejuvenation, if you will. Uh, I, I guess a lot of these these bands, you know, just by necessity are, are are doing that. You need new blood to keep it going. But if the if the foundational music is strong, then that that translates very well. So I'm a big fan. So uh, another uh, another band that that shows up on on your cv and also showed up on roberts and is near and dear to my heart although they're not particularly prog is the tubes so i i have to ask you uh, you know about that particular experience and and when that was and, and how that went down so i am the official backup on keys and vocals for the tubes you're the official however, backup you're listed on the I, roster <laughs> i'm the official backup however i've never gotten to play a gig with them <laughs> okay so so the deal is um i met uh dave med the keyboard player and vocalist for the tubes actually the the same night i met robert because dave's in december people with robert and i met them in december of 2011 and <laughs> I instantly hit it off with both those guys after the show. And then I actually went up going up to Dave Med's hotel room. And we went up geeking out on keyboards and, and computers and software and stuff till literally like four in the morning. Wow. <laughs> um, and we were just like instant buddies. And then uh, they had a show, they had a showcase. December people had a showcase in January and, and uh, I took them some keyboards and helped out at the show. And we hung out. And then at NAM. uh, you know, Dave. Dave said, "Listen, December people is going to have a ton of shows, and I'm going to need a backup for the tubes." You know, so I auditioned for them, and then I got the gig. And so basically, I learned like three years of tubes material, <laughs> um, and then and I kind of had it under my belt for a while. And you know, it just it just worked out where. The December people schedule the, the tube schedule would always wind down in the fall, and then December people would play in November, December, and Dave just never needed me. Oh, cool! So, um, uh, and he's never sick either. He he's he's actually only been sick in in twenty years. He's been sick one time. Oh, once. we got that story. Yeah, that, that <laughs> we was, got yeah. that on. Tape. And, he, yeah. and yeah. he went. Yeah, and what happened was he had this sudden freak, um, like bacterial attack thing. And he went in the hospital and they, he thought he was going to die. And so he called Robert and he was like, Robert, you know, he's like, you have to go cover for me. 
And Robert didn't want to do it. Robert's like, why don't you call Andrew? He goes, and he goes, he goes, he goes, we don't have time. He's like, the show's in like three days. <laughs> He's like, you have to do it. Robert's like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to die. You have to do it. So, so that was it. So Robert did the gig. Um, and funny enough, because Dave was in the hospital and Robert was crying, I never even found out about it until like the month later. Oh, really? I was like, dude, why don't you call me? And he was like, I was in the hospital and Robert came to see me, you know, with my, with my wife, He's, you know, so, you know, he was like, I couldn't even talk. I didn't have a phone. I'm like, okay, fine. So, um, anyway, so that's, that's our funny tube story. That's and crazy. What's interesting is that, um, the tubes, early stuff from the seventies, not the eighties stuff, like the yep. David Foster. The hits that you know from the radio that we '80s guys know from the radio, that stuff from the '70s is pretty proggy. It is. I, you know, I've, I've threatened the guys that I want to do some of the early stuff for that very reason. But yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> no, I say do that first. Just the first album. Just get this. Listen to the first album, and it's just it was, you know, because it's '70s and it's art rock and it's performance right art. There's a, if you're a prog fan, I can't imagine that somebody would not like that first album. It's it's so good, and you know, I I personally think that Young and Rich and Now are also phenomenal. Oh yeah, now now yeah, is yeah. now is an album that took me a long time to get, but man, once I got it, woo wee. Well, I am looking right now at a particular shelf here, and I have every Tubes album ever. I have all because I had to get all of them. <laughs> Yeah. His head would be like, hey, we're changing up the set list. And of course, like every time he would say that, I'd be like, yeah, you don't have any charts for that, dude. He's like, charts? He's like, just get the record and learn it. <laughs> so I have a massive, st- like, like 18 albums or something. It's all the 16 studio albums, all the live stuff. I have everything. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So, <clears throat> My God, if you get called, are you actually doing Dave Med's vocals? Oh, that's a great. You know what? <laughs> that is a great question. You might on some tunes. I, I it, guess. Yeah. So here's so here's the thing. I don't have Dave's voice. Dave's got Dave sings all those super high tenor parts, which I'm not. I'm a I'm a baritone with a good range, but I'm more in the I'm more in the John Wetton, John Mayer. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. Tear, tears for fears. Like that's the kind of range that I have. So what I would do is I've got, in fact, I had it on tour with Robert, is I've got a really super awesome TC electronic harmonizer box. And I run the MIDI output out of my uh, controller keyboard. The MIDI signal is split. And the signal, one one uh, channel A goes into my computer rig and channel B goes into the vocal harmonizer. So any n- chord that I am playing, I have it set where I sing... And it and it plays two harmony notes above my voice, hmm. so I could do that tubes gig with my harmonizer box. And it would and actually and what what it does is my vocal mic for all you geeks who want to know this my vocal mic goes into the harmonizer box, and then there's two channels that come out of that. There's there's the dry channel that just is only my voice, and then there's the processed vocals that has my voice and the two other harmonies on it. So the sound man can have complete control if he wants to have my voice like a lot louder and he just have puts army vocals in the background. Um, so the answer is yes, Brilliant. I could do that. I could do that gig now with that box. Wow. And it would Thank make it, you. and it would, they would sound, it would sound, it sounds really good. 
but not not because I can sing that high, because we're, well, we're, che- we're cheating with some technology. Well, I was preparing to take us out with the geekiest possible topic that I could come up with, and and I broached this subject on um, Robert's interview. Um, when you talk to Robert and Paul, and when you're just thinking about the material on your own, are, are you bringing in modal terms? Are you thinking in jazz modes? Are you thinking in, you know, chordal, chordal terms, the, like, like the way a uh, formerly educated musician would? Or at some point, does it just become instinctual? Like, like, what is your personal language for doing some of the most complex music? That includes Keith Emerson. That oh. includes all of this. Um, well, when I'm writing it, I think that way. But when I'm learning somebody else's material, I just learn the song. And um, I might use some some theory language like that if we're talking about a certain solo, like we, what chords are we going to play while somebody's soloing. Um, but for the most part, um, we just learn the song. I don't know if that makes it. We just play whatever. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. You're just learning yeah. it. It's 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 uh, it's actually for me. It's no different than a classical piece. Like when I was learning Beethoven and Brahms and Bach and Liszt and and Chopin and all those things, um, you know, you just learn the piece and then your job is to reproduce it accurately. Although it's, it's, it's actually harder in a rock band because you have to lock in with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's um, not just solo piano. Uh, um, so, so um, I did uh, a pretty deep dive with Circuline and I mean, the track summit is oh. a very, good jumping off point for Circuline. It covers what I would call a little bit of mainstream prog, and somehow in the middle of it, I was hearing Sun Ra's orchestra just bubbling out of the percussion in this in this <laughs> interlude. And then the, the next thing I know, I mean, there was a lot of like, like augmented Matt Manhattan transfer kind of spaced out seventies jazz happening there. And I'm yeah. like, what, what language do you guys talk to be able to communicate? That? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, um, in Circuline, um, I'm the most geeky one with all of the, <laughs> with all the chords. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, Darren's a drummer, so he doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> The bass player just wants to know what bass note, you know, they can, you know, <laughs> you know what am I? Yeah. And actually what's interesting is for, on that record, our bass player was Paul Ranieri. So, um, and Paul's got a really strong um, jazz background. So he was playing lines all over the place. Um, and the guitar player, uh, the guest guitar player for that track on, on Counterpoint, our second album, was Matt Dorsey. And Matt's, Matt's not formally trained, but he's got great ears. So he just played, you know, he just played what he heard. And Billy and Natalie have gr- also really great ears. So, um, but the, all that harmonic complexity that you hear on that record is that, that's me. Um, just because, you know, I'm, we're trying to make it interesting. We're trying to make something different, and we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to make it accessible. We're trying to be original. And what's interesting is that Darren, uh, especially for that second record, Darren and I wrote. Um, all the music we worked with Randy McStein as a songwriter for yeah. the vocal lead lines and the lyrics. And then Billy and Natalie and I did all the vocal arrangements on all the harmonies that you hear us singing. Um, and at the time 
for that record, uh, when we when we made that record, our, our original guitarist Bill Shannon had left the band, and we were in the process of auditioning thirty five guest guitarists to try to find somebody. Wow. Um, and so Belito wound up being our guitarist with us for a year and a half, and he's on that record. But we knew that we weren't going to have enough time to um, find somebody, get the right person, school them in, write it, record it. So I said, you know what? We're going to call seven guest guitarists. We're going to call our friends. We're going to call some some semi-famous people. We're going to have all these fun guests come on the record. So um, so Darren and I wrote all the music, and. Every time I would play something, Darren is such an encyclopedia of Prague, I'd come up with this cool line or lick that I thought was super cool. And he goes, nope, 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 we can't use that. That sounds you know, like something I heard on Alan Parsons' record in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would be like, dude, I never heard this before. I just made it up. He goes, I don't care. He goes, I've heard something just like it before. We have to change it. And so he's, been, so he's really good at... Um, He's really good at making sure that we <laughs> that we come up with something that's our own. Um, and uh, Billy and Natalie are intimately involved with the writing of this new third studio album that we're working on. And um, they're the same way. They both have encyclopedic knowledge of music. And so if I play something that sounds too much like something that, that they've heard before, they're like, yep, yeah, change that, do this, do that. And I'll say, okay, well, here's – and I'll give them like three or five variations. How about this one? How about this one? And they go, yeah, do number three. Oh, okay, fine. We'll do number three. Well, Billy and that I love, I love the vocal just, – just honesty and power behind what you've got going in Circuline. Um, and, and that takes me kind of back to, to, to 3.2, what got me into this whole journey. Um, what is it like – I think it's wonderful the, the 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 combination of voices with Robert, you, and I really didn't give Jimmy Keegan uh, a, a, a huge shout out, but my God, his vocals are fantastic. Yeah. So that trio of voices really made the tour. Yeah, thank yeah. you. We when uh, when Robert said, you know, what who we're going to get for a drummer, I said we got to get Jimmy Keegan. We have to get Jimmy. I said because we. I said we because I because I can't. I don't normally sing that high, and Jimmy, you know, at the time by the time Jimmy had left Spock's beard, I know he was working on a solo project, but I said Jimmy, you know, it's either gonna you know Nick DiVirgilio's got a full time day job at Sweetwater, plus he's in Big Big Train and he's in the Fringe with Randy, and I said you know Jim, Jimmy's our guy, so I called. I, I actually called Jimmy. To get Beautiful him. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 sealed the deal, man. Very good work. Wow. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Jimmy's. He's an amazing. He's he's just he's just amazing. Jimmy is the shit. You know, <laughs> he is the shit. Did you? I mean, if for for people who saw the tour, like we did. Uh, there's a December people. This, for you, for those of you who don't know who December people is, and what I used to say every night, uh, um, and I would say your favorite Christmas songs in the style of classic rock bands. So Robert would take a famous band and take their most famous song, and then he would kind of twist it a little bit, and he would morph it into a Christmas song. So like if Tears for Fears did Silent Night in the style of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, World yeah. or you know he had a Yes one, he had a Genesis one, he had an ELP one, he had uh, um, uh, he had an ACDC one, he had a ZZ Top one. So 
for Rush, it was Deck the Halls. Now, how in the heck could Rush ever do Deck the Halls? Well, when you're doing, um, you know, Deck the Halls with Bells of Holly. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't really expect that. But here's Jimmy singing Getty Lee singing Deck the Halls while he's playing Neil, Neil Peart's Peart. drum parts. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, ridiculous. It was, it was so ridiculous. I feel so Beavis and Butthead at this moment, but it's so I, true. I know. Well, and the other thing is, speaking of that, if you know South Park, there's a part where, where Cartman from South Park starts saying, I am Getty Lee. I do what I want because there's he's doing some he's doing some rush thing. So every night Jimmy would literally do his Cartman imitation. <laughs> oh God, no! Of Getty Lee, and then he would click us off, and we'd be right into this rush song. <laughs> Thank God, for, Jimmy was like the comedy relief. He's just so funny. But I was so I feel so lucky to have had him on the tour. <laughs> oh, man i'm so fortunate to have seen these shows and uh, uh just the, the the difference between the the, the small show and the, and the big show was great you guys just just even tailored that to the, to the different audiences with with a different pace and a different uh set list so yeah thank you for all your hard work all your phone calls with robert it, it, it was worth it it was it was delightful talking to, to robert and and thank you i feel like we we got a very valuable piece of the pie here Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to check out some more of your episodes. And where do we f- – I know we're, we're recording it right now. So, all right. Well, 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 well you may want to yeah, give a shout out to your own listeners. Yeah, no, first you're all right. What's your URL, Andrew? You, you, you got to go first. Yeah. For, for me, my website is callyourmusic.com. That's C O L Y E R music.com. And then all of the social things are the same. It's facebook.com forward slash call your music official for the artist page, facebook.com forward slash call your music for my personal page. Twitter.com forward slash call your music, Instagram.com forward slash call your music, and my YouTube. My YouTube might be Andrew Call Your Music because I don't think I can get the call your music. But um, if you type in C O L Y E R music, you can find me on all the, on everywhere. And we did. We hopefully we did our homework correctly leading up to this. Very good. Yep. Hopefully we did. So yeah, and I guess uh, you know, in terms of now that people know where to find you, Andrew. I, I mean, is there anything, any specific project on the immediate horizon that you want to uh, maybe talk about, or? Yeah, you know what? Um, well, I mentioned the upcoming Circuline, our next live CD, DVD, Blu-ray that'll be out next year. We're working on our third studio album. For those of you Prague fans who remember Happy the Man. Uh, Frank Wyatt is just now he's the keyboard player from Happy the Man he is just now right now um, releasing an album called Frank Wyatt and Friends that has almost every member of of Happy the Man and Oblivion Sun Um, I got the good fortune to be on that album uh, coming out right now Um, uh, David Rosenthal is on that album Um, so that's coming out now Um, the heavy the progressive metal band Awaken that I'm also in uh, we just had a double album out released last summer, and we're working on a live in New York EP that was shot at a, at a live gig this summer. The the uh, I'm 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 also starting. I've already started on my next solo album that hopefully will be out next year. 
Uh, and I think 3.2, uh, we're looking at going to Europe next summer. Um, so I don't know how many dates or what festivals, but we have, we have some offers coming in, but I don't know what they are. So I can't talk about that yet. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's Billy and Natalie and I were just in the studio all day, Saturday and Sunday working on circuit lines, their studio album. So, um, we have plenty in the pipeline. Um, so, uh, and I know there'll be some more stuff coming out with Robert and 3.2, but I don't know when that's going to be. And he, ha- you know, we just got home from tour, so he hasn't given us any dates on that yet as far as oh, studio, wow. studio, as far as studio stuff, but I know there's going to be more material coming there. We're going to have to follow up with Robert and get the, uh, the skinny on that. I don't even think Robert knows what the skinny is yet. Well, but I know, <laughs> but it's there and it's coming. I promise. We just don't know yet. Oh, well, that'll be fantastic. I look forward to, to all of that. Yeah. All right. Anything? Oh man. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, just, just, yeah. Just one more thing, Andrew. Um, do you sing backup on awakens cover of Christopher Cross's ride like the wind? Because those yes. backups are pretty damn fly. <laughs> that, that is, that is me singing the Michael McDonald part. That is me. <laughs> did, did you guys see the video for that? Yes. <laughs> you guys, yeah. If, if you're listening, I'm telling you right now, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and type in Awaken Ride Like the Wind. It's a killer video. And uh, that is me singing those Michael yeah. McDonald parts. I was so excited to sing. <laughs> 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 you know, because everybody... Yeah, you know, well, okay, we've already geeked out enough on this show, but we'll we'll give you the even more of a geek out moment. Um, that same guy who got me into Prague all those years ago, one night um, we were having a laughing fit at his studio, and we were literally lying on the floor. We were laughing so hard, and I and we started making we started doing Michael McDonald impersonations, and we decided that we were forming a Michael McDonald impersonators fan club, um, and of course. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm going to be the president and he's going to be the vice president, right? It's Michael McDonald impersonators <laughs> fan club. So what's really funny is we're at, then fast forward like a couple of years and, and you know, we're always, and the thing is we're not making fun of Michael McDonald. He's got an amazing voice and he's an amazing talent, but we all just try to sing like him, right. you know, um, just for the heck of it. Uh, and we're at Tom Palmieri's house sometime around 2016. And there's a whole bunch of Prager dudes. And I bring up this fact that we had this Michael McDonald Earthsiders fan club, <laughs> and every dude in the room all starts busting out trying to sing like Michael McDonald. Um, Robert Pass from Third Degrees doing like everybody's trying to sing like Michael McDonald. So here we go, fast forward like two more years later, and we're working this Awakened album, and I'm like, I get to sing the Michael McDonald part. <laughs> So, um, oh my it was really i had a really i had a really good time with that and every time i see it on, on that new waking video i just start laughing now <laughs> well that, that that's that's good practice for dave med and yeah vince yeah. welnick and all, all whatever yeah that's beautiful <laughs> that is, oh man that is great all right so we have to then encourage everyone um to to check out uh, the 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 full breadth of of Andrew's work that's available out there in various places and and keep an eye out for the the upcoming projects that he has. As always, we invite you to share your thoughts and experiences with us. Um, if you've seen Andrew, um, 
If you've appreciated any of his work, or if you think you can sing like Michael McDonald, please um, reach out to us. You can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Prague Paula on all of those, where you can search for Progressive Palaver. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So, Andrew, we want to thank you very much for spending your time here with us. This has been a fantastic uh, conversation, and we look forward to hopefully more in the future as uh, as we we sort of try to keep up with with you and all the uh, the projects that you've got going on. So so thanks again, and everyone out there. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>